0: Hey guys, just a heads up. Um, this one is brought to you in partnership with the I Love Pod Media Network. Uh, they were they were pretty impressed with last year's Halloween special, and I I heard through the grapevine that some of the listeners volunteered me for their new creators sponsorship scheme. And if Graveyard Bunker Two can draw enough listeners, there is the potential for a long term deal with the network here. Which you know that would be a huge boost for ghost stories. The trade off though, is that there will be some adverts throughout this one. Um, so I've tried I've tried to keep these to a minimum and I Love Pod Media has assured me that their algorithm is smart enough to know, you know, where to place the ads in the episode. So I won't be cut off mid flow or anything like that. I do hope they're not too distracting anyway. you know, it's, it's just the cost of doing business. So a massive thanks to I Love Pod for their help and support in putting this one together. And as ever, don't get captured. Happy Halloween, friends. friends. It's that time of year again when I, I journey out to the graveyard bunker and I sit safely within the salt circle and I loosen my my usually high fact-checking standards to bring you a collection of terrifying tales. This is the time of year where we get a little nutty with it and we go off the reservation. Um, so I will just get the fire started here There we go. And of course, the marker pens are going right on there. So let's inhale, friends. And let's gently trip together in the pale moonlight. And ah, can you hear that? The ghost zoomers are approaching once again. So while they rap about their feelings and dress like shit, let's begin our first tale of deep state darkness. It concerns the very essence of what it means to be human and what we mean when we talk about God, the devil, faith, and the deep state. For your consideration, the XRCIAist. I'd like to begin this evening with a news item that you can find in The Guardian, dated October 9th, 2014. Headline, Satanic Panic, British Agents Stoked Supernatural Fears in Troubles. And then, quote, Professor Richard Jenkins from Sheffield University spoke to military intelligence officers, including the head of the Army's Black Operations in Northern Ireland, Captain Colin Wallace. Now, we will remember that Wallace uh, came up in our episode about Liz Cirkley. He was a spook who turned whistleblower after a series of dispiriting experiences. You had the Clockwork Orange, uh, Dirty Tricks operation, the coup plot against the Wilson Labor government, the Kinkara Boys Home scandal, which you know is just a notorious incident in uh, the long sorry history of british presence in the north of ireland and he was also framed for murder by mi6 and the cia now professor jenkins actually wrote a book about this entire subject and he called it black magic and bogeymen mi5 essentially conducted a psyop in northern ireland that was designed to prey on the religious beliefs of of people there and then the article goes on to say quote Wallace told Jenkins they deliberately stoked up a satanic panic from 1972 to 1974, even placing black candles and upside down crucifixes in derelict buildings. Now, 72 to 74 was a particularly violent period during the Troubles. And Wallace was given a lot of freedom to conduct PSYOPs as part of uh, the highly secretive work that he conducted for 14 Intelligence Company. And the idea, according to him, was to create the perception that the conflict in Northern Ireland had summoned dark satanic forces to the land and tucked away in the article is a mention of how loyalist paramilitaries would conduct frequent ritualistic tortures and murders of uh, Republicans and Catholics. And in fact, of the 121 political assassinations that took place in Northern Ireland in 1972, two thirds of all the victims were Catholics or, you know, Republicans. Now, according to Professor Jenkins himself, uh, quote, I think that Wallace and the Information Policy Unit had two main objectives. First, it was to encourage a devout population to think that the Troubles had opened a door to dark forces and to have them blame the paramilitaries by implication. The logic being the ungodly paramilitaries caused the violence. The violence has encouraged all kinds of horrible things. Ergo, the devil, Satan, and all that. Although I don't think that was ever going to fly. And second, there was the bonus of keeping people, especially teenagers and kids off the streets at night. And so as the rumors of, you know, satanic occult practices began to spread, um, it was picked up by the papers, which had been MI5's intention. So here's um, an article from The Sunday World and it's headlined. Uh, Black Magic Fear in Two Border Towns, and this is dated October the 28th, 1973. And it goes on to say, quote, The witchcraft scare that has taken grip on two border towns is gathering momentum as the Halloween deadline for a threatened human sacrifice approaches. The origin of the rumors has now been traced back to a British army raid on a black magic ceremony in a ruined castle overlooking Newry town. Clergy of all denominations, IUC and teachers in Newry have entered into a grim pact of silence in an attempt to stop the panic spreading. And of course, this didn't actually work. The panic spread, as it inevitably will in an environment that is as Tense and unstable as what was going on in Northern Ireland at that point. And the kids in Northern Ireland, they soon learned to avoid certain areas, you know, uh, certain neighborhoods, certain buildings, particular stretches of woodland, because they were all associated with this satanic cult activity. And MI5 and the Royal Ulster Constabulary, they then used these places to. Conduct operations, you know, surveillance operations, or to use them as places to plan, like raids on uh, Republican areas. So there's a disturbing notion now, which is we've mentioned that uh, loyalist paramilitaries had already been conducting ritualistic esque tortures and murders of uh, Catholic and Republican uh, figures. And we do know that the loyalist paramilitaries were basically MI5 hit squads. So the question then arises, how many of these ritualistic murders were actually directed by the spooks as part of this satanic panic psyop that they were running? And then on the 8th of September, 1973, the mutilated body of a 10 year old boy called Brian McDermott was pulled out of the River Lanigan in Belfast. And the panic and fear that had already gripped uh, huge parts of Northern Ireland at this point, it went into overdrive, it went supernova. And MI5 encouraged the press to, you know, boost this even more, to uh, signal boost it. And they encouraged them to run wild, unfounded um, stories that Brian's murder was actually the result of, a, of satanic black magic. There is no evidence that his murder was related to satanic ritual abuse. In fact, um, it's more likely that he was killed by a sexual predator who ran his own street gang uh, in Belfast at the time. So MI5 anyway and military intelligence and in Unit 14, they got to work. They were planting fake letters and advertisements in the press to you know, encourage this uh, hysteria that was going on. And in fact, I have an example of one of these advertisements here. This appeared in the Belfast Telegraph, the newsletter, and uh, a couple of other local newspapers uh, in Northern Ireland at the time. Quote, Protestants awake. Politicians and others have lied and deceived, and lies permit entrance to evil spirits. Is this why there is a fearful increase of witchcraft in Ireland, North and South? We have been betrayed indeed. And at the same time, the press continued to run these wild, un- unsourced or poorly sourced stories about witchcraft and satanic ritual killings. Um, I've got another one here. Quote This is from the Ballymena Chronicle and Antrim Observer, November 1973. Quote Witchcraft rumors distress parents. Rumors about witchcraft now rife in Mid-Ulster are terrifying children and causing grave concerns to parents Stories circulating all over the country claim that witchcraft is being practiced in some areas, and that a blonde, blue-eyed girl, aged from between three and eleven, is to be abducted this weekend for use in a black magic ritual. So the panic eventually subsided, um, you know, as political events like the Ulster Workers' Council strike led to the collapse of the the power sharing executive at the time. And that's a whole other thing that we don't really have time to get into. And in fact, ups like this have. Been been deployed by intelligence agencies for as long as there have been intelligence agencies and superstition. Um, The British did something very similar to this during the Mau Mau uprisings. Um, But in Northern Ireland, the, the op had been updated to reflect contemporary fears you know the sectarianism the troubles the chaos and the uncertainty of the time the social changes of the 60s and the 70s and a renewed interest in the occult that you know was inspired by films like Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist um it's kind of ironic actually that The Exorcist became an inspiration for colin wallace that he used what he'd seen in the exorcist while he was putting his sci up together and we'll get back to that in a, a moment times are hard my friends things are tough out there things are tough everywhere bradley and in the post-truth post-covid world all of us are bound to struggle from time to time You
1: can't turn to your family or your neighbors, and while the stranger walking behind you on the street at night is possibly just trying to get home, same as you, there's also a good chance there's a hideous, leering grin spreading across his face, and he realizes your headphones are blocking out the sound of his footsteps and there's no witnesses around. The breeze stirs, and it's cold, Matt. It's so cold.
0: You can't quite escape the feeling that people's smiles are insincere and behind the bland pleasantries of everyday conversation with friends and colleagues there is a raving hatred of you and everything you care about. That call at 11pm might be a wrong number or it might be coming from someone hiding in your attic. And when I find myself in that situation, I reach out to Better Vibes. For a long time, I couldn't tell my friends or my family what I saw when I hacked into the Starch viley Hyde database, but the images and video clips were seared into my mind. Better Vibes is there any time of day, online, video chat, email, or text. I don't wake up screaming in the dark anymore, and I owe it all to Better Vibes. You, um, you tried it
1: yourself, didn't you, Bradley? I did, man. Better Vibes and their partners at the Institute for Human Ecology offered me a free two month trial of their groundbreaking wellness therapy. I held myself accountable and outcome growth. Creating my own technology of self actualization and discussion with my therapist, I finally understood that a union drive was reifying harmful conflict narratives in the life space environment where I work and that nobody was running spot tails on my car when I drove to union
0: meetings. They're incredible. I sleep at least three hours a night now. That's better vibes. And you can access the same free two-month class that Bradley did by heading over to their website and using the promo code FRANKLIN at checkout. Back to the show. So, The Exorcist. Let's talk about that for a while. Now, The Exorcist, uh, as well as being one of my favorite ever films. It's actually supposedly based on a true story. So the story goes that an anonymous 14-year-old boy who's known only as um, Roland Doe, where he was supposedly possessed by a demon in Maryland in America, and a father, William S. Bowden, who was assisted by a fellow Jesuit priest called Walter H. Halloran, they performed a grueling series of exorcisms on Ronald at Georgetown Hospital in 1949. Now, for all that this case gets hyped up as proof that the devil is real, you know, Halloran himself always maintained that he believed that Roland Doe was just a deeply disturbed young man, you know. Now, I am an extremely lapsed Catholic um, I didn't even get confirmed, you know, but it's always been my understanding that um, as described in the film, The Exorcist, the ritual of exorcism is seen as kind of embarrassing by many priests, um, but in extreme cases of, you know, severe torment, they might run through an exorcism as um, a form of role play therapy, a, a kind of psychological placebo and there are, of course, um, exceptions to this. The, the Tanaku exorcism in Romania was led by a father, Daniel Petre Correggiano. Um, and apologies if I'm mispronouncing his name, but, you know, that's just the show at this point. So he believed that a nun at his monastery was possessed by the devil. This happened in 2005. The victim was a 23-year-old woman Called Mara Ciccia Carnici, and you know, despite already having a diagnosis of schizophrenia, she was tied up and subjected to an exorcism. Um, at one point, they even bound her to a cross and carried her into a t- church, and then you know, threw holy water all over it. By the end of this, she was so dehydrated and suffering from nervous exhaustion that she passed out after eating just one slice of bread and having a sip of tea, and she died on the way to the hospital. Uh, The paramedics gave her an overdose of adrenaline, basically. The priest, and I believe two nuns actually ended up serving between five and six years apiece uh, for neglecting her, basically. So let's cut to the 1960s. Let's cut to 1960s America, in fact. And here we find a writer called William Peter Blatty. And he's experiencing, you know, some minor critical success with a series of comic novels. But the problem is that, you know, they're not selling very much. So Blatty accepts some jobs as a script doctor in Hollywood. The thing is, though, that writing fiction was his passion. Um, but, you know, comedy literature just wasn't paying the bills. And then, in the late 1960s, as Blatty was kind of casting about for an idea for a book, you know, he remembered the story of Roland Doe and his exorcism because Blatty had attended Georgetown University at the the time that that happened. And you know, boom, The Exorcist became a bestseller and the movie became a roaring success as well. Uh, One of the scariest and most controversial films ever. And, you know, again, in my opinion, one of the greatest films ever made. Um, And the themes of The Exorcist kind of reflected the the anxieties of middle America at the time. You know, the declining amount of religious belief and church attendance. The generational divide as well. That's a a pretty in-your-face aspect of The Exorcist. And this sense that America's youth was out of control, basically. And as someone who uh, used to believe, like I said, um, I still think that The Exorcist is a pretty profound meditation on faith, you know, even if uh, William Peter Blatty's own politics are a little ambiguous, to say the least. You see, Blatty wrote The Exorcist as a man who believes very much in God and the devil, and he intended it to be a kind of rebuke to the social change that America had experienced over the previous decade. So, think about how Chris McNeil, who is uh, played by the incredible Ellen Burstyn in the movie, well, Chris McNeil is an actress, and she's a single mother, um, and she's in fact shooting a movie in Georgetown. You know, while as the story unfolds, and there are some there are some oddly specific scenes of her in character in the movie within a movie, <laughs> where she admonishes a group of campus activists for protesting, um, and the book goes even further on this tangent quote it was dumb the entire scene was absolutely dumb her mind though untutored never mistook slogans for truth and so the rebel cause to her was dumb it didn't make sense how come she wondered generation gap that's a crock i'm 32 it's just plain dumb that's all and again um it's kind of downplayed in the film and it but it's more explicit in the book um which is the possibility that the family breakdown and Reagan's absentee father, well, it's implied that they are connected in some way to the possession. Um, and in fact, Reagan unwittingly invites the demon into her by playing with the Ouija board while her mother is out working on the movie.
2: Do you know what she did? Your canting daughter!
0: So... Why am I telling you all this? I suppose you're wondering. Um, And why do I find it ironic that the exorcist inspired an MI5 satanic panic psyop in Northern Ireland? Well, that's because William Peter Blatty was a CIA agent. Um, It's little remarked upon now, but immediately after he graduated from Georgetown, he worked for the CIA in Lebanon in the 1950s, um, the US Information Agency was his cover. And then when he returned to the United States, he worked in Washington DC as policy branch chief for the psychological warfare division of the US Air Force. And he helped spread anti-communist propaganda at home and abroad. He also contributed to the PSYOP that saw an exodus of Catholics from North Vietnam to South Vietnam, In the 1950s. Quote, an example of the work carried out by psychological warfare in US foreign policy is the orchestrated exodus of Catholics from North to South Vietnam in the mid-50s. In collaboration with Dr. Tom Dooley, who bloody quotes in his book, and others, an extensive campaign was carried out by the Catholic Relief Service, local Catholic leaders, and an American psychological warfare team combined to drive peasants south of the DMZ by telling them the Virgin Mary has departed from the north and Christ has gone to the south. So if you consider his religious beliefs, his politics, his time at the CIA, the exorcist um, starts to look like a bit of an op, you know? And if you think that this is sounding insane, then remember what we discussed in our MK Ultra episode. Um, the CIA was exploring the very limits of the human mind, you know, and this included dabbling in the occult and attending seances and attempting to communicate with dead CIA agents to debrief them. And this fell under an MKUltra adjunct called Project MK Often, and Sidney Gottlieb personally signed off on this program with the explicit order that his staff explore the world of black magic and harness the forces of darkness to challenge the concept that the inner reaches of the mind are beyond reach. Those were his words. So I don't believe for a second that, you know, they did actually contact demons or ghosts, but I think they concluded that tapping into people's fears and superstitions around these topics was a good way to control them. Um, Now, neither William Peter Blatty or Colin Wallace knew it, but they were actually in conversation with each other. Uh, Both of them were harnessing Satanism and the occult as a way to influence the public, you know, to trigger deep-seated cultural and social anxieties to attempt to shape society. And this got me thinking, what is the point of the security state and the elites that they serve? You know, when you break it right down, not what they say their purpose is, but their actual function. What's the point? Well, I think that Blatty kind of unwittingly explained the function of a CIA or an MI6 when he wrote this dialogue for the exorcist himself, Lancaster Merrin. I think that the point is to make us despair,
3: to see ourselves as
0: the possibility that God could love us. So what I'm saying is that the deep state must be cast out. It must be exorcised. We need to expiate the spooks if we are to bathe in the warmth of Lady Justice and suckle at her righteous teat. (laughs)
1: here. You might be wondering where I've been since my show, Marvel Women in the Age of Clown Pill ended. Well, if you're like me, you know what it's like out there right now. America is divided. You're probably scared, terrified. Envisioning blood and viscera pooling in the gutters, increasing COVID death rates, rape and murder, descending on your town, fascists obliterating the faces of your loved ones, world where nobody is accountable for the things they post. I put together a new limited series about life, culture, and politics, American Bloodshed, where I detail at length the wave of chaos and genocide that's coming to your neighborhood soon, and how the divide in America is cultural as well as political.
0: Little brother uh, posted a TikTok asking why the Eternals didn't stop the Holocaust, you know, if they've been on Earth for thousands of years.
1: How did you deal with that?
0: So I reached out to him to try to explain that, you know the Eternals don't owe him anything. I said Danny, it's toxic and entitled to post something that interrogative. What you know, would would he ask the good fellas why they didn't stop Srebrenica, and he he just posted a clown emoji at me. And then when I asked him to stop, when I said Danny, I feel harmed, he just kept
1: posting honk, honk, honk like that. I also spoke with the courageous freedom fighters of the Vaca Daza Brigades of Bolivia, the Bandera Mutual Aid Network in Canada, and more besides. We got a little dark, but we sprinkle in a little snart to make the medicine go down smooth. We also interview top FBI agents to find out how we can head off extremism agents like Thornton Maher Stone.
0: Uh, The Bureau has always recommended a strong online presence when confronting extremism. Uh, Just a couple of years ago we ran a huge honeypot operation to catch sexual predators. Uh, We were so committed to this mission that we became the single largest online distributor of child pornography in the world.
1: That's incredible! And what was your arrest and conviction rate like?
0: Uh, how's that? Well,
1: How successful was the operation? Yup. Intrigued? Check out American Bloodshed. Disaster may be closer than you think, so you need to be subscribed to I Love Pod.
0: After our two-parter on the UFO phenomenon in the summer, a fair few of you reached out to ask when Bradley was gonna be back on the show. I wanted to wait until the time was right, and then I found out that he'd been digging into something quite interesting since we last spoke. I knew I'd be putting this Halloween special together, and now that Isle of Pod is footing the bill, we arranged to speak on the phone. I found Bradley on the trail of the unspeakable. I found him in the grip of an obsession, wandering in a liminal space between inspired and insane, for your consideration, Project Bluebeam, the New World Horada. Yo, dude, it's Matt. My... Were well, you man? What did you want to talk about?
1: Okay, so this is gonna sound crazy, but I. I genuinely think today is the day the shadow rulers of the world have been dreading for decades.
0: Bradley sounded odd. Normally cool and composed, here he seemed hectic, on edge. I couldn't help but wonder if I was at fault for recommending he burn marker pens and inhale the fumes to save money on that loud.
1: I got a call from my source last night. Source? Yeah, he's a a top guy. He gave me... uh, uh, Access code, some tips.
0: All right, what did he say?
1: Well, he he told me to dig into the story of Jared Hawkins, uh, also known as Plato Fire Cabal.
0: Is he the YouTube conspiracy guy?
1: Yeah, Hawkins was a a, a MAGA dipshit, but something um, interesting happened with that guy earlier this year. First, let me tell you this. So... There's a very unusual earthquake last night in southeast Turkey. Interesting, not far from the site of what many consider to be the world's oldest temple, Goble- Gobekli Tepe.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that. I knew that.
1: Yeah, dating back like 12,000 years. 12,000
0: years, yeah, man. I, I was just going to say that, but then you said it first, so I didn't need to.
1: Yeah, well, the site remains a bit of a mystery. It's function, it's... The civilization that built it, why they built it, remains largely unknown, and the majority of the site, too, is remains largely unexcavated. Stonehenge, for comparison, was built around 4,000 years ago.
0: Stonehenge, yeah, right?
1: So I have it on good authority from my guy that this earthquake, if you can call it that, is just the beginning. Reports from the scene, which suspiciously haven't reached the mainstream media, describe a long, precise fissure through the desert. Again, just a number of miles from Quebec Tepe.
0: And from what I understand, this is just the beginning. I was growing increasingly concerned. If this was some kind of psychosis triggered by overindulging in superheated glyceride and xylene, was I legally culpable? I had only given him the idea. Bradley was the one who bought the pens. As he spoke, I hurried to check extradition laws and tried to figure out how to make him delete any incriminating DMs without making him suspicious.
1: Can I fill you in on what I know? Does that work?
0: Yeah, go for it. What was that? What?
1: Do you think they're tapping this line? Who? Uh. Never mind. I guess I just got a
0: little spooked. All right. Um. Right. So tell me... What you're on the trail of then, dude. Like, is this some Castellaro shit? How often do you delete DMs, by the way?
1: In a way, it all starts in 1994, when French-Canadian poet, journalist, conspiracy theorist, and evangelical End Times fanatic Serge Monast wrote an essay called Project Blue Beam, parentheses, NASA, close parentheses.
0: Oh, fuck yes. Monast, man, let's do this. I'm up for this.
1: And it all starts with an earthquake.
0: Uh, what starts with F, Quick?
1: <laughs> the end. Or at least his <coughs> conception of it.
0: The end of the world?
1: Well, kind of. Uh, Monast was obviously a religious psycho, but it's interesting. Have you heard of Project Bluebeam?
0: Uh, yeah, man, I mean, like, you've mentioned it before. I'm kind of vaguely familiar with it, but...
1: Manas published, uh... Project Bluebeam a year before the Left Behind uh, series of books came out, left behind the, the series of apocalyptic Christian evangelical books about the rapture and the end times.
0: Yeah, yeah, I got interested in the evangelical right because I used to read this blog called um, Selectivist that went through each book like page by page and kind of took their arguments apart from like a, a Catholic socialist perspective or something. Um, If I'm not mistaken, they peddle like an especially weird flavor of uh, pre-millennial dispensationalism, I think.
1: The Left Behind books tie into this because they lifted a lot of their theology directly from Monast. The rapture happens in Left Behind, right? The true believers are all lifted up to heaven and the rest of us are stuck here on earth. It's a weird mishmash of biblical misreading And the influence of people like Mel Nast and his right wing conspiracy cottage industry, and you can read shit like QAnon as even more degraded and insane variations of an already degraded and insane theological system of belief. Right. What is The Storm but a trash TV version of The Rapture? What is Donald Trump but Shopping Mall Jesus here to purge the earth of infidels?
0: Yeah, yeah, I like that. I
1: should I should also probably mention a guy named William Guy Carr in here. He was a huge influence on Monast.
0: Right, yeah. Uh, Carr was an uh, English-Canadian spook, uh, conspiracy theorist. If I'm not mistaken, he served in the Navy in World War One as well. Mm-hmm. I think after the war, he got heavily into the idea that communism and capitalism were both like massive psyops controlled by a, a secret... World government.
1: Yeah, the Illuminati, right? He was one of the first "quote unquote" modern conspiracy theorists to popularize the term, the Illuminati and New World Order.
0: He also figured the Illuminati were being assisted by uh, Freemasons and Jews. And after World War II, his work took this increasingly like hard right, anti communist edge, with a really dark sort of streak of. Uh, Christian apocalypticism I suppose like running through it all
1: yeah and interesting timing cold war is just getting started The religious right is beginning to really make a lot of noise
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I get I mean his influence on like right-wing conspiracy circles Christian conspiracy circles is huge uh, and I guess monast was very much a disciple of of Carr and even people like Alex Jones are basically well They're standing on he's standing on their shoulders mm-hmm. and You know, whether whether he knows it or not. Uh, In fact, I suspect that Alex Jones was very much promoted to kind of fill that type of role.
1: But the key difference between Monast and the evangelicals is that he didn't believe the rapture would actually be divine intervention. In his analysis, it would be a simulated rapture, a, a false flag rapture perpetrated by an international deep state after conspiring in secret for decades, maybe centuries, to pull off a a uh, spectacular event shout out to pnac convince everybody that the rapture is occurring
0: you know this this kind of sounds like what we've been talking about before man like on the ufo episodes with the cia uh staging fake miracles in countries that america is eyeing up you know it's like spike a reservoir with acid project angels in the sky that type of thing
1: yeah, so, so step one is to use secret seismic technology to manufacture a precision earthquake at a site of archaeological importance, an old one, one where there's still much to be discovered. Uh, imagine one of those pens that you can use to shatter your car's driver's side window in the event mm-hmm. of a rollover or whatever. It's like that but for the surface of the earth, kind of. And this earthquake will unearth um, uh, something. Mm -hmm. Monas predicted an earthquake, and the quake would unearth a previously unknown arcane knowledge. And it will be a hoax. It'll be a hoax. It will have been planted there to be discovered after the manufactured earthquake, all all pre-planned. And what they unearth will rewrite everything, history.
0: Yeah, you can definitely draw a line from this guy to a, a guy like Alex Jones.
1: Well, Monas was building tinfoil bunkers when Alex Jones was just still dreaming of joining the CIA. As part of his <laughs> unifying field theory of the NWO, Monasse said that whatever they unearth after this engineered earthquake will be so shocking and so convincing and compelling that it will begin to render all the world's religions obsolete.
0: Yes.
1: I'm ready to... Bust this shit wide open, dude. Check this, so check this out. The okay. Blue Beam Project's objective, according to Monast, is to destroy all religions, establish a new hegemonic New Age religion, which everybody will subscribe to. And then, ultimately, by the end of the next three steps, the New World Order will have been established, everyone still living, united under one belief system, with the help of NASA, DARPA, and the UN, and, and the I- Antichrist himself. Will be installed as the head of the new one world government.
0: These guys, right, these guys are always so close to getting it, aren't they? And then they just, they fucking whiff at like the crucial moment, man. Like the NWO was already established, pal. It was called um, the election of Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher. And it's why your grandkids, our grandkids, are going to be paying 10 grand a month to live in a shoebox with a communal toilet while the fucking sky burns.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So step two is where it gets complicated. Go ahead. Monast calls step two, the big space show in the sky. According to Monast, the space show will be the hoax of the century. The NWO is going to project apocalyptic holograms onto the sodium layer about 60 miles above the earth. You know, Old Testament, end of days looking stuff. They're going to use tractor beams to fake a rapture. I've got the documents here. Listen to this. The blue beam project will be the fulfillment of the prophecies of old. You get me, dude? He's, mm-hmm. he's groping towards something here, even though he's launched himself fully off the deep end. He goes on to say, quote, this superbly staged falsification will result in dissolved social and religious disorder on a grand scale. Each nation blaming the other for the deception setting loose millions of programmed religious fanatics on a scale never witnessed before. In addition. So, so get this dude ready. Go for it. This, this event will occur at a time of profound worldwide political anarchy and general tumult created by worldwide catastrophe. Mm -hmm. You hearing that? Mm -hmm. Are you picking up on what, uh, what I'm throwing down my dude? I mean, look, I'm, so step three, he gets way into the weeds on mind control tech and heart attack rays and a lot of this other insane shit. One thing he says they can do is project images so convincing that you'd swear they were real.
0: Um, I'm. This is not to knock your research or anything, man, but um, this is a, a, a tad overwhelming.
1: <laughs> What's important for us is the fourth step. The fourth step. Is where he says the NWO is going to make the entire world believe that an alien invasion is imminent. As chaos spreads through the global system, economies collapse, countries go to war. They're going to leverage all this chaos and do a. Because I mean, where else are they going to go? They got to do a false flag apocalypse to impose top down authoritarian control and coercion.
0: Yeah, but I mean, like Monast was a fucking crank, man. Like you. You did say so yourself.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, but just for fun I was looking into some of his wilder claims and hang on. What's up? I don't... uh, I, I thought I heard something outside.
0: Now I was deeply concerned. If Bradley was in the realm of the unwell, and it was because of advice I may or may not have given him, I had recorded his entire break with reality on Zancaster. I would have to surrender this to the police, and even if I destroyed it, I'm sure that Zancaster archive a copy for themselves anyway. But then things took another turn.
1: The first one to say Monast was a crackpot, and his politics were terrible. But I started digging into the essence of his argument i Mm -hmm. I started i started thinking more and more about what we've discussed in the past that the right-wing kooks sometimes build these elaborate insane narratives off of what is ultimately a seed of truth
0: Uh, so kind of like QAnon. like i mean we're all in agreement that the global elite is corrupt you know nobody would deny that but it's you know it's where they take it that we have an issue with
1: exactly like Qanon, right? My source gave me some access codes. This is top, uh, like top of the top secret shit. I've been plowing through it all for days now. What did you think when you heard the the U.S. government announced it was going to release a report on UFOs this year? And it was apparently taking the phenomena seriously, how are we supposed to react when spooks and politicians start talking about how they've got footage of flying saucers that's even more incredible than the three videos the New York Times published. I uh, personally, I started to feel like I recognize this.
0: <laughs> you can't be serious, dude.
1: I, I'm not saying there's gonna be a fake rapture.
0: Okay. So like so what are, what are you saying?
1: Marie Claire, October 20, 2015, quote, People are freaking out about a piece of footage shot over the Guangdong province in China that appears to show a floating city in the sky. The mysterious apparition was prompted a number of outlandish conspiracy theories to form, which some people claiming it's a supernatural sighting, a window into a parallel universe, and even the work of NASA.
0: May, this is. The
1: Saudi Gazette, December 4, 2014, quote, a 45 second clip of what appears to be a horse flying in the sky above Jeddah has left millions around the world awestruck. Okay. NBC, September 1st, 2020, quote, two pilots of different lights reported seeing a man in a jetpack thousands of feet above the air. Above Los Angeles on Sunday, prompting an investigation by authorities. An American Airlines pilot was approaching Los Angeles International Airport around 6.30 p.m. when he called in the sighting to air traffic control, according to an audio log. The unidentified flying person was at the plane's altitude. The pilot said about 3,000 feet in the air. I mean... The, The Guardian, December 1st, 2020. Quote, the Gatwick incident was the first time a major airport was shut down by drones and it distilled deep cultural anxieties from the threat of terrorism and unconventional attacks by hostile states to our fear of new technology. Two years later, it remains unsolved, despite a police operation that lasted 18 months, cost 800,000 pounds and involved five different forces, conspiracy theories abound online they're testing their shit like (laughs) can't you see that washington post july 15 2017 quote family and friends of missing youtube star jared hawkins have again appealed for anyone who might know where he is to come forward hawkins a popular conspiracy theorist and outspoken trump supporter who achieved viral notoriety this year with a series of baseless claims about the so-called project blue beam disappeared from his alpha albuquerque hotel room in the early hours of june 30th while investigating an anonymous tip off pertaining to what he described in his final video as quote illicit government activity unquote in new mexico
0: (laughs) what are you saying
1: i'm saying i'm saying that the fix is in my dude i'm saying that the sky is falling what if all this shit we're seeing in the news about mysterious objects floating in the sky Billionaire tech CEOs traveling into space, the fear mongering around China's hypersonic missiles and the U.S. government investigating UFOs, which they've always been doing, but now they're only just now acting like they're doing. What if this is all seeding of a narrative? What if they're using the instability caused by the pandemic to launch a UFO psyop, to further destabilize society and justify a new arms race, to make space itself a new frontier for war and business, to justify a new Cold War with China? Hmm. to justify why it's going to be okay for all the millionaires and billionaires to blast off into outer space with the rest of us to deal with the climate meltdown and resource wars this the deeper i got into this the more i realized if i was wrong i just feel foolish but if i'm right then when this hits this is gonna be the shit storm of the century
0: mate who was the sauce like what what did they tell you, dude?
1: He's he's an insider. He's told he told me where I might be able to go to find out more. And I'm heading there in uh, about an hour.
0: Where are you going?
1: Dulce Airbase.
0: Holy shit!
1: It's gonna fucking rock, my dude.
0: Uh, me. I'm fucking, mate, I'm begging you, don't do this.
1: No, it's it's fine. I, I trust them. I trust my source. I I pulled up this interesting doc from uh, uh, Langley's archives about Jared Hawkins and what might have happened to him, uh, ELF rays and mind warping tech, my dude. You want to hear about it? Hello? <laughs> Matt, hello?
0: Did you hear that? Hear what? I don't know. Uh, never mind. Ignore me.
1: Okay, anyway, anyways, my guy says that tonight they're gonna be testing some new shit at the Dulce base. I'm gonna head there and uh, get set up in my camera. I'm gonna blow the fucking lid off this diabolical shit, dude. What the... F- oh, shit.
0: Hello? Uh, <laughs> Hello? I tried to reach Bradley on WhatsApp and at considerable expense to myself, I tried again to telephone him in America. I got no response. The hours ticked by and I found it difficult to finish a light supper. And then, finally, Bradley called me back. However, I didn't have my microphone to hand, so I asked him to hang up and wait until I could record the conversation properly in order to fulfill my contractual obligations to the I Love Pardon network. What follows is the conversation we had when I called him the next day. Hello. How's it going, man? You left me a little bit worried there.
1: Everything's completely fine.
0: What happened? Uh, it sounded like fucking World War Three at your place.
1: Um. Oh, the other night, you mean. Yeah, I, I heard a noise outside. When I went to check, I found a man raking leaves at the end of his driveway. The man explained that I had nothing to worry about. Then he walked me back to the tree line. My desk is uncluttered. The sky is California blue.
0: Okay, well, uh, that's that's a relief
1: he recommended calisthenic exercises and safely depositing spiders in the backyard instead of washing them down the drain in the drain with holes like eyes where anything could be uncoiling i don't think we need to concern ourselves with talk of lights in the sky and lost time on the night highways it's more important to be a good neighbor everything else is a dream dream
0: well, I mean, yeah, it's it's good to know you're okay, dude. Uh, have a nice weekend. Yes, the weekend.
2: Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Hey
0: folks, it's Danny and Jess Here from Crooked Spiral A show about networking, falling in love And trying to make it in the business of show You can check out every episode on I Love Pod Or wherever you listen to podcasts
3: You know what though, Danny? Christmas isn't too far away Party
0: season, I can't wait You
3: know how it is though Sometimes a little gift might improve your chances of landing that next big role
0: That's so true, Jess But where do we go to find that Oh, wait, what's this? It's a little site called Abrasax. Abrasax is a boutique design star that takes the stress out of furniture shopping by connecting you with your very own personal shopper. I needed a coffee table that would impress a client and after being referred by a friend, my shopper hooked me up with the Samantha.
3: The Samantha is four feet long easy to pick up and transport and simple to maintain
0: A bargain at only three grand
3: Oh, Craig at STV is moving next month and I want to get something really special for him as a housewarming present.
0: Well, how about this? A mint condition secondhand Ricardo bookcase. Let's see, uh, this Ricardo is secondhand, used once, multifunction, and extremely easy to clean.
3: And we didn't even mention the VIP membership package. Wait,
0: the VIP package?
3: That's right. I was just referred to it by Charlie at Pickup Studios. I'm just gonna open the link here and... Have a...
0: <laughs> That's Abrasax.
3: Use, Use offer code AKINA check at the checkout to get up to 50% off your, first, your purchase first purchase today.
0: Next year, we return to Europe to explore the secrets of the, the post-war fascist underground and mobicides. In the course of my research, I stumbled upon an intriguing story about a, a mostly forgotten esoteric order that was active on either side of the Atlantic during the Cold War. It connects to much of what we've discussed before, and it serves as a fitting denouement to our trilogy of terror. And it also raises questions. Questions such as, what is fascism, if not a death cult? And what is Belgium? if not a front for the CIA and weird French sex rings for your consideration. Operation Stabio. A light bearer since the most remote times have completed my time on earth. I go back freely and willingly to the place from which I came at the beginning of time. Happiness fills me because I know that I have fulfilled my duty and that I can bring back in peace and happiness my capitalized energy enriched through my time on this earth. It is difficult for the men of earth to understand such a choice, such a decision to leave willingly one's terrestrial vehicle. These are supposedly the final written words of a member of the Order of the Solar Temple, a cult that was active in North America and Western Europe up until the 1990s, when a mysterious wave of mass murders and suicides decimated the organization. Now, theories have abounded for years of what was really going on with the order of the solar temple. A judge Fontaine uh, presided over the trial of Michael uh, Tabaknik, who was a world-renowned conductor and cult member. He was accused of facilitating several of the mass suicides. Fontaine said that the order was structured like a multinational the order was truly a giant commercial operation with financial interests on three continents. And at its peak, the order had some highly influential people in its ranks, uh, cops, civil servants, and allegedly uh, Princess Grace of Monaco, aka Grace Kelly. Now the order of the solar temple first made global news in October of 1994 when the cops found the bodies of Tony Dutoit, his wife Nikki, and their baby Christopher in a burned out condo in a ski resort near Montreal in Canada. And it turned out that they hadn't died from the fire. They had all been stabbed to death. Uh, Tony alone had been stabbed 50 times. And allegedly they were killed by the temple because the order's leadership had decided that baby Christopher was the Antichrist. And a day later in Switzerland, firefighters were called out to a burning farmhouse and they found Albert Giancino dead at the kitchen table with a plastic bag over his head. And he'd also been shot in the face as well. And then the cops searched another building on the grounds and they found a hidden meeting room. And inside this room were 18 more dead bodies arranged on the floor in a circle. Other bodies were found in other hidden rooms. And the cops realized that some were suicides, yeah, but others were straight up executions. And then other mass death sites were discovered elsewhere in Switzerland, uh, like in Granger-sur-Savon. And again, firefighters were responding to reports of a burning building in this town, and they found 25 dead bodies in three chalets, uh, including seven children. Now, what was the connection? All of the dead had been members of the order of the solar temple. And understandably, you know, the cops launched a manhunt for the leaders of the cult, but they were too late. Uh, Joseph Di Mambro and Luc Jauré, the the two leaders, they had already committed suicide with a group of uh, very close followers in Switzerland after a, a kind of ritualistic Last Supper. So, what the hell was the solar temple? The order of the solar temple. The Order of the Solar Temple was founded by DiMambro and Joray in Geneva in 1984. Uh, their aims were prepare for the second coming of Christ as a solar god king, establish what they described as the correct notions of power and authority on Earth, and promote Christian identity, which is the extremely Nazi. Notion that only Celtic or Germanic or Aryan people are the true descendants of the ancient Israelites. Uh, They also kind of dabbled in New Age spirituality and incorporated beliefs from contemporary UFO religions. Dimambro was born in August of 1924 in Southern France, and he became a member of the Rosicrucian Order, uh, the ancient and mystic order of the Holy Cross. I implore you to check out the RFK episode for more information about the Rosicrucians. Um, He split from that group in 1973, and he founded the Center for the Preparation of New Age. Now, he ran this group in a very similar way to how L. Ron Hubbard ran Scientology. You know, members paid more and more dollars to rise through the hierarchy. And like any self-respecting cult leader, DiMambro gave himself the authority to decide, you know, who got to fuck who in the membership. And he said that his son, Eli, was the chosen one who would usher in the new age. You know, And Dimambro then hooked up with Luc Journay and they renamed the group the Order of the Solar Temple. Now, Journay is, or was, a very charismatic and well-connected guy, and he wound up bringing in hundreds of new members. At its peak, the Order had about 600 members spread across the, America, and Western Europe. Um, And many of these new members were very well-connected European elites, you know, like Princess Grace, allegedly. Now, the Solar Temple was a full-on, eyes-wide-shut type deal, you know, elaborate rituals and ceremonies complete with costumes and props and light projectors that were designed to convince members that Dimambro and Jornay were really communing with historical figures like Moses and the founders of the Knights Templars and channeling spirits from the afterlife. And by the way, they also claim descendants from the Knights Templar because, you know, as with the Rosicrucians, what are you doing running a cult like that if you're not claiming descendants from the Knights Templar. Everybody cool does it. So Dimambra would also wield a sword that he claimed was given to him by a Knights Templar in a previous life a thousand years before. So, you know, you have the usual weird sex shit controlling and abusive behavior and, you know, basically whatever you associate with a cult, that's what the Order of the Solar Temple was into. But Jornet is particularly interesting for our purposes tonight because he'd received a medical degree from the Free University of Brussels. So, you know, he could basically just name his price, train doctor, you know. But instead, he decided to get into homeopathy. um, And he used that, you know, to travel all over the world and make contacts, you know, that kind of thing. He'd been a member of the Walloon communist youth, but he started to cleave more towards a kind of national Bolshevism before national Bolshevism was actually, you know, a thing. Uh, in 1976, he became a paratrooper and he fought for Belgium in the, the Battle of Karwesi. Thereafter, Jarnier became a leading member of the Parti Communautaire Européen. Uh, which he co-founded with Jean Théria. Now, Theriat also founded Jeune Europe, which was Young Europe. And that was a neo-Nazi, Euro-nationalist movement that advocated for a third superpower in Europe to counterbalance the US and the Soviet Union. They had pretty big support in Belgium, France and Italy and they also established very close ties with Oswald Mosley's union movement in Britain, the uh, you know <clears throat> surviving elements of that. and they also connected with the the underground network of SS agents who'd survived the fall of the Third Reich. Now the PCE and young Europe were also connected to Operation Gladio, the Order of the Solar Temple, as alleged by a psychiatrist and author called Jean Marie Arral, who he'd also been a member of the Ancient and Mystic Order of the Holy Cross alongside Di Mambro, he asserted that the Solar Temple, uh, the Ancient and Mystic Order of the Holy Cross, the PCE, and Young Europe were all creations of the French, Belgian, And foreign intelligence services. And whenever someone says foreign intelligence services and they're writing in, you know, Europe or Britain, what they mean is the CIA, you know. So the Parti uh, Communitaire Européen was controlled, was controlled by the Belgian branch of Gladio, which was SDRA8. It's confirmed now that it was actually being controlled by them. And they successfully engineered a split in the Belgian Communist Party, which led to many of the former members joining the PCE. Now, Jean Marie Abral also claims that the money and donations that were collected by the Order of the Solar Temple throughout the 1980s was distributed to underground far right groups connected to Gladio. So here's a theory, right? What if the wave of murders and mass suicides that destroyed the Order of the Solar Temple's first incarnation weren't prompted by a genuine belief that the end of the world was at hand, but were in fact part of something else? The Order had to deal with a number of members in the early 90s who'd grown disillusioned with the organization and what they'd seen happen to groups like, you know, the Branch Davidians in America. They were very scared that that's where things were heading and they were right in the end. So Dimambro and Jornet were likewise paranoid that these defectors were going to expose their huge money laundering activities and potentially uh, the deeper connection to Gladio and the Belgium stay-behind networks. So consider that we also know that there were cleanup operations taking place at this time in Europe in the 1990s. Uh, and these were connected to Gladio. And maybe the most prominent of these is the De True affair, which led to the deaths of at least 25 witnesses and investigators. So what if the order of the solar temple was engaged in something similar directed by their deep state handlers Uh, Because don't forget that after a period of inactivity, the cult reconstituted itself and it began again. So that raises the possibility that...
4: Boy, that was pretty intense. If you're worried you might not sleep tonight, why not check out the Mind Lens app? We've designed this app with experts in the fields of sleep and mental health. If you're having issues with stress and find it difficult to sleep, mind lens may be what you need. Why not take a few minutes to try it now? We will use a simple technique we call breathe and control as we proceed. When I say breathe, please inhale slowly and try to empty your mind of thought. Focus only on my voice. When I say control, please exhale slowly. Remember that you can end the session at any time control please exhale slowly say your name and favorite color out loud breathe return to a time and place where you last felt truly loved control this is a place of warmth safety and light would you agree control now you're in an old cottage you can smell freshly baked bread there is a cat asleep in the dining room she is curled up snugly on the windowsill bathed in warm morning sunlight Breathe. The smell of the freshly baked bread. The soft purr of the sleeping cat curled up on the windowsill. Control. Do you experience intense feelings of empathy for people you do not know? Breathe. Focus on the warmth of the sunlight shining through the windows. Control. What do you hope to achieve during our sessions? Breathe. The cottage is warm and quiet. You gently pet the cat sleeping on the windowsill. Control. Do you often worry that your work colleagues sneer at you behind your back? What do you think they say? Control. How frequently do you experience sleep paralysis? Breathe, you drive away from the cottage and through the car windows, you can see green countryside spreading out for miles. Control, how does it feel to wake up in the dead of night, in the dark of your bedroom, at three in the morning, unable to move? Breathe, as you drive along the country road, you are serene, at peace. You roll down your window to breathe in the fresh morning air. Control, in the dark, in the night, in your bedroom, unable to move who opened the curtains why won't you turn your face to the window breathe you never asked who the cottage belonged to you never asked why you were there control what do you see when you turn to face your bedroom window who is standing there in the night outside looking in at you as you lay there unable to move breathe you are afraid to turn on the car radio you are afraid to listen to the local news breathe Serenity. Euphoria. Control. Do you ever see strange lights in the sky? Breathe. There are wolves on the empty turnpike. Control. Are you ever disturbed by the thought that if the eyes were really the window to your soul, they would offer a view of nothing at all? Control. This is 8. We have killed all your friends. Breathe. You can't quite shake the feeling that if you turned around and drove back to the cottage, you would be returning to the scene of a crime. Control, the man standing at the window. You can make him stop, breathe, at peace and at rest. Control, window, all your friends are dead. Control, in the dark, his smile at the window. Control, your trigger is window. We have killed all your friends. Breathe. Return to us. Come back. You may open your eyes. You are in a safe place now. You are in a safe place now. You are in a safe place now. If you're worried you might not sleep tonight, why not check out the Mind Lens app? If you're worried you might not sleep tonight. Why not check if out you're worried you up. might not sleep design if this You can Do you worried? You worry